The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 305, broadcasting live Thursday, July 30th, 2015. I'm your host, Rich, and our caller number is 347-324-3541. Again, that caller number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, a couple of things you should know. My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming and entertainment we air live every wednesday and thursday at 11 p.m eastern 8 p.m pacific you can watch our video streams on mtrlive.com rageworks.net and of course on gfq as well um other couple of other things audio versions of the show stream live at mtrlive.com via mixler high quality audio there plus we simulcast on blog talk radio and take your calls as well now If you want to enjoy the live version of the show, I recommend you go to mtrlive.com. You can watch the video feed in progress. Plus, you can also listen to the high-quality audio from Mixler and participate in the show chat that is always in progress. You can also use our call-in number, not hit option one, and listen to the show that way. Of course, if you want to participate, all you got to do is hit option one, and you'll be ready to rock and roll. So couple of things before we get into tonight's topics. Just some housekeeping. Our broadcast schedule, uh, this will be the last show for this week. Uh, next week, I will be on vacation uh, for a couple of days, but there will be shows and content coming through. Uh, there is a brand new episode of Black is the New Black with Ben and Taylor hitting the airwaves later on this evening once I finish editing. Also, the regular season sports cast with the Keefe and Jay Santee will be debuting their episode on the RageWorks Network this evening as well after I put some time in the lab with some editing. Uh, happy to see the Keefe and Jay Santee put together a pretty solid show from what I heard thus far. Uh, proud of those guys for the work they put in, and they joined the stable, of course, of Black is the New Black, The Buried Show, and, of course, My Take Radio and all our ancillary shows, MTR Behind the Mic, MTR Beyond the Mic, And everything else. So, uh, very exciting stuff. Of course, if you are interested in catching those shows, 
All you got to do is subscribe to My Take Radio. It's all on one unified feed for the time being. Uh, probably when I come back from vacation, I am going to create individual feeds for each show just so that those of you that want to listen to specific shows can access them that way. I know some of you are um, really trying to consume all our content and have been asking about the individual feeds. Uh, got to teach myself how to make that look good and make it work well for you guys to be able to enjoy those shows. But hopefully when I get back from vacation, we will be able to set that up. Uh, in addition to that, uh, we're going to try and do some more giveaways this weekend, trying to clear out the MTR prize closet. Uh, there's still some stuff there that needs to go. I know we gave away a um, Moto X, which um, the person who won that is very happy. I got to put the pictures up that they sent me of them with the phone. And also we did the giveaway with Entertainment Earth, which we actually have another giveaway on the horizon with them of something so cool that if you're a Marvel fan, particularly Guardians of the Galaxy, you're definitely going to want to get involved. Also, I made an announcement last night during our MMA and wrestling show that I will be merging the My Take Radio fan page with the Rageworks fan page only because... It's just a lot of redundant content, and if My Take Radio is already under the Rageworks umbrella, then all the content, whether it be show-related or not show-related, is all going to come from Rageworks anyway. So those of you that are fans of the My Take Radio page, don't trip out when you see yourselves on the Rageworks page, which I will be doing uh, later on this evening. As I mentioned also last night, we're trying some new video software. Uh, we are using... Oddly enough, we're using XSplit, which a lot of you guys may know if you are streamers uh, for PlayStation or Xbox or any other console, XSplit usually handles those type of projects. But we tested it last night with um, the MMA and wrestling show, and we're testing it tonight. And video feed looks good. The only thing I did notice is that there was an echo whenever we played audio files. So for those of you that get... Uh, this the the latest episode, the MMA and wrestling episode. You're gonna probably notice that there is an episode with um, some audio issues. Now, Brian is telling me that the video looks a bit weird. The aspect ratio is a bit off. Uh, you got to bear with me. Like I said, I'm still learning how to use this stuff. I know that. Uh, let's try this. That might work. You know what? You know what's funny? I'm glad. Well, here's a couple of things. Um, Brian, the, thanks for telling me that the video quality is good. I appreciate that. Slick, it's stretched. And the reason that it's stretched is because when I was recording, getting ready to go on air last night, the um, you get a uh, you have to maintain the aspect ratio for the show. So what happens is I'm filming in 1280 by 720. So what happens is if I undo the aspect ratio, then you're going to get the letterbox on the side of the video, which is, which is crazy. No, I'm glad you brought it up because people are probably asking, why, is, why does the picture look stretched out? That's the, um, I, I'm actually very glad you brought it up just because, like I said, we're still working through the process, and um, I really want to learn how to use this. I know that uh, somebody recommended vMix which I downloaded. I'm doing the 30-day trial of that, just trying to work through all the different stuff 
Uh, for those of you that have watched previous shows, we were recording and streaming with Manicam, and um, it was it was good. But the problem was Manicam kept uh, crashing. And uh, <laughs> well played, Brian Monroe. Well played. Unfortunately, that is not the case. On the contrary, uh, pretty things are things are pretty decent over here, but um, amusing nonetheless. Anyway, so we're gonna we're gonna continue to work through trying to find a good uh, video app that'll help us stream the shows effectively. And partially, it's also because I haven't learned how to fully use the shit. So um, there is that uh, many cam, like I said, works a lot easier, but um, I couldn't deal with the crashing. M- maybe after I do the upgrade to Windows 10, uh, maybe this weekend, maybe that'll fix that. And we can try many cam again because we actually upgraded the, the laptop for the show to Windows 10 and it actually works uh, quite well. So there is that. Anyway. So what do we got on deck for tonight? We're going to get into the week's gaming news. We are going to get into uh, all the gaming and entertainment news that we kind of have put by the wayside the last couple of weeks due to different event coverage. As I'm looking at this video stream, I see that certain things that should be on camera are and certain things that shouldn't be on camera are not like that bucket right there. (laughs) That bucket should not be on camera. That bucket should definitely not be on fucking camera. So, yeah, we're still we're still trying to work out all the bugs, guys. But um, as I said, we got a lot of gaming stuff to discuss. We got an ample amount of entertainment stuff, uh, plenty of Marvel news. And as always, we will take your calls. 347-324-3541, 347-324-3541. For those of you that are questioning my choice of attire this evening it is a michael jordan team usa basketball jersey because it has been hot as hell here in new york city uh average 90 plus the last couple of days super humid and this room that i broadcast from when you have two very very bright lights pointing at you makes things a little warmer than they should yes slick that is actually a good way (laughs) a good way to describe it but um yeah So we got all the housekeeping out of the way. We have everything else taken care of. Be on the lookout. Brand new. Black is the new black. And the debut of the regular season sportscast with the Keith and Jay Santee. So with that, let us get into the gaming news of the week. Can you guys just, uh, if you're listening to the video feed, let me know if there's any echoes. Without further ado, let's get to it. First thing is that video game square was too damn big and it's still too damn big. See, this is the shit I got to learn. Anyway, (laughs) as I was saying, we got a lot on deck gaming wise this week uh, between some milestones for the Wii U. There is some stuff coming from Slick that I'm going to bring him in whenever he's ready because there's a there's a couple of news items that he brought to my attention this week that with all the stuff I got going on kind of fell through the cracks, but he's definitely been on top of it. So we're going to discuss that, uh, for the entertainment segment, we got chock full of shit this evening. So I'm trying to definitely keep the show within the confines of 90 minutes and, um, we'll try and get to it. You know, what's funny, Brian, I did get a copy of Wirecast. Um, Andrew was kind enough to, um, toss a copy my way, but 
I need to find a good book that'll teach me how to use it. I mean, there's tutorials and all that shit, but like a book that I can sit down and really read the shit to get the hang of Wirecast. Because there's so many things, so many nuances that it has that I really want to get good at it. That's why I haven't touched it. I kind of just wanted to jump into something that was easy to use. Um, But if you happen to know anything, uh, a book or any recommendation for Wirecast, feel free to drop me a line off air and um, we can get that resolved. Anyway, I'm going to see if Slick is ready. And um, we could jump into this gaming stuff. Slick, are you there? Yeah, I'm there, man. What's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm good. I'm trying to freaking stay cool. You're not kidding about that. That's for damn sure. You alive over there? I had to crack my neck. Please don't die on air. Yeah, I had to crack my neck. Yeah, don't die on air. I don't need that. Um, (laughs) So... Obviously, we've been a little behind on the gaming stuff, you know, with all the events and stuff we've been covering, trying to get all the stuff out there. Um, I do want to, before we get into some of the stuff you got on deck, I do want to mention something that came across my desk regarding Nintendo that I was actually pretty happy to hear in the, you know, after the, the tragedy that they had to deal with with the passing of Satoru Iwata. Now, Nintendo's first quarter financials came out, and the lifetime sales for the Wii U edged the 10 million mark but have been falling year over year so for the three-month period um that ended on june 30th for their fiscal year the company sold 470,000 we use compared to 510 last year so with that said sales in japan went up 60,000 from the last year to 150,000 this year but the opposite was going on for the rest of the world in the u.s alone Sales fell from 280,000 units, which they sold last year, to 190,000 units. Same thing went down with various territories dropping from 170,000 to 130. So definitely some, you know, some numbers that are worth discussing in terms of console movement. But on the flip side, there have been titles that have been moving quite a bit. Splatoon, for example, sold 1.6 million units despite launching at the end of May, which is pretty solid. Uh, Wii U software overall has been selling with a total of 4.5 million units worldwide. The 3DS, of course, kicking ass, um, sold 1 million units in the first quarter compared to 820,000 the previous year. So definitely solid. But 3DS game sales fell from 8.5 million to 7.9. So... I I wanted to run these numbers by you because you and I, we've talked about Nintendo and all the stuff that they've been doing wrong and all the things they they can do better. And as somebody who recently picked up a Wii U, I I honestly said that I was picking it up for Splatoon, and you know that as well as anyone, and of course some of the first-party titles that came out during the console's launch. But looking at that and everything else that they have on deck... It's only first-party titles that are driving my interest, particularly for anything related to the Wii U. So, where do you stand on it? I'm curious to get your your take on it. Well, honestly, I don't really see Nintendo as doing very much wrong because, I mean, in all honesty, they're not doing too much differently from the other two companies. They're putting out their games. They have you know, a healthy crop of uh, digital games available. The The big difference is that 
you know, you have the third party. The third party face is not there the way it is for Nintendo and Microsoft. And that is a big problem because none of the three companies have a whole lot of first party titles coming out with, you know, Sony in the lead. But none of them have a whole lot of first party titles coming out. So it's those third party titles that drive software sales. Okay. Whether they're exclusive or not. All right. And I mean, you have companies like Ubisoft that just straight up shit on on Nintendo and don't make anything for them. Well, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because there's something about Ubisoft I'm going to discuss this week. I'm sure you've heard the news, and it re, and it re, it's in regards to a game put out on the Wii U, and we'll touch on that. But the crazy thing is, looking at those numbers, Nintendo actually has something in their back pocket that has actually boosted their numbers quite a bit. And it's the craziest thing. Can you guess what it is? Uh, Amiibos. Very good. Amiibo sales have been referred to as favorable. Uh, back in May, there was a number of uh, that was that made its way through the web that said that 10.5 million units have been shipped to retailers. Um, in terms of you know the year ahead for Nintendo. They got a couple of games on deck, plus some new Amiibos that they're going to definitely be cranking out. You know, Pokemon Super Mystery Dungeon, Yoshi's Woolly World, Super Mario Maker, um, Legend of Zelda Triforce Heroes, Animal Crossing Happy Home Designer. So they got a couple of things that are dropping, and of course, it's going to have all the tie-in Amiibos to go with it, particularly Yoshi's uh, Woolly World, which is going to have a Woolly Yoshi, which you know everybody's going to go crazy for. And um, looking at that lineup, you essentially have a glorified level editor, because <laughs> that's what Super Mario Maker is. Don't kid yourselves, folks. And um, everything else is pretty much exactly what we'd expect. An Animal Crossing title, a Legend of Zelda title, and a Pokemon title. So with that said, you got Nintendo cranking out money with the Amiibos, but... The demand and the and and the and the variety of amiibos are a fraction of what's being done regarding games. Now, you you saw their E3 presentation. You knew they had a lot of shit on deck, but overall, my concern with Nintendo is that they're they're still complacent. You know. Well, they definitely are in terms of their their first party software. They're not. They're not, like, kicking down doors. They're not breaking barriers. I mean, they are doing things different, but they're still doing it safe different. Absolutely. I mean, you have taking, you know, just taking either company, for example, uh, Sony a few years back, you know, they came out with things like Infamous and Uncharted. Yep. And, you know, uh, what do you call it? Xbox came out with, with um, <clears throat> Gears of War, which, I mean, really is in some ways just a, a third-person Halo, but, I mean, it's still different. Right. Well, They, the... they introduce new, new properties and not using characters that are 20 and 30 years old. Well, the thing that gets me, too, is, and I've talked about this, and, and you and I know this as well, that Sony still has a stable of characters in their back pocket that they can use whenever. Jack and Daxter, Crash Bandicoot, um, you know, you could, you, could, you could pull Siphon Filter out of, the, out of the cobwebs. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's still stuff out there. I mean, 
even Xbox, if they wanted to, could still pull Sam Fisher out of the cobwebs, you know? Xbox has an entire catalog of freaking rare characters that they never use. That's, but you know what's funny about that? The rare characters, they can use them if they wanted to, but you know what? It, if they're going to get dusted off, let it be for something good. Like, we, re, we remember when they tried to do that with Perfect Dark and how that went. Um, definitely, you know, not the, not the high point. But the thing that gets me is, like, Wii U is a, is a prime example if Wii U was smart, you know, if Nintendo was smart with the Wii U, they would try and create more IPs like Splatoon. Because Splatoon sold, think about it, came out in May. We are only in July. And it still sold 1.6 million units. Mind you, with broken-ass multiplayer. <laughs> Which is what everybody wanted to play. Well, the, let, let me rephrase that because that's, that's, a, that's, a that's a poor way to describe it. The multiplayer is fluid, but you can't talk to anybody. Um, that, that's that's another thing. I mean, right? It, it was a problem that Sony suffered from with the PS3, and Nintendo suffered from with the original Wii. And Sony fixed the problem. Nintendo just kept on rolling with the same shit. Well. I'm gonna. I'm gonna I don't toss. I understand it, but there's you know basically no real chat available. Not that I've seen. Nope. Well, with with that said, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna cite this, and you know the context of it, of course, is gonna come off a little a little funky. But with the passing of Satoru Iwata, do you think that this is a good time for Nintendo to kind of step out of the box a little bit? And what I mean by saying that is that. Nintendo's thrived on being just a strictly Japanese company. You get what I'm saying? That they, their, their product is big in Japan. They cater more to the Japanese audience, and they don't really try to put their feelers out here in the U.S. because they know that their stuff is always going to sell. Now, I saw an interesting conversation on Reddit about, you know, would Reggie uh, Fizeme be stepping in? And managing Nintendo, and I said, as I read it, no, because he's not Japanese. But thinking about it from a global standpoint, do you think that Nintendo would be better suited if a guy like Reggie took the helm? Because it would allow Nintendo to to possibly open themselves up to try new things? Or do you think that he's just as, as you know, walled garden as, let's let's use an example, as Steve Jobs, you know? I think if they really let Reggie Seasoning run with the ball, it could only help Nintendo. Okay. Because Reggie Seasoning is, how do I put this? He's hardcore pro Nintendo. He, you can see from like just the way he behaves when he's at any kind of event that he cares about the company, that he truly wants to grow the company. If they put him truly in charge, then yes, we would see some changes. We would see a more worldly view of things, at least a view that appeals more outside of Japan. Right. And I think that could only help them because, I mean, again, you you look to a competitor, Sony, also a Japanese company, but 
very clearly knows how to appeal to the rest of the world. I mean, you look at their characters, they, you know, their, their first party characters, you have, <clears throat> you have Cole and Delphine from Infamous that are American. Right. You have, you have Drake, who's American. Right. You have freaking Kratos, who's freaking Greek. It's like their characters aren't stuck, so to say, in Japan. Right, they're not and being that pigeonholed. To more people. Right, there's not a pigeonhole of quote unquote Japanese culture underlying. I understand what you're saying. Now, taking that into consideration, I'm gonna I'm gonna play a little armchair quarterback for a second. If and I'm gonna pitch this to you first. If you had the opportunity to take the helm of Nintendo Monday morning, and this and you can be as honest and forthright as as you wish. What would be the first order of business Monday morning when you walked into Nintendo headquarters? I would say the creative, you know, we need, either we need to use some of our older characters that people haven't seen in a long time, or we need some new characters. We need some, and actually I got to take back one of the things that I said, because I mean, their flagship character is Italian, but we we need something fresh. Our 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 first party IPs are fantastic. The the fans love them. They they never get enough of them. Like they're dying to see Link on the Wii U. Right. But we need we need at least two new IPs. I would say one per year for the next. I would say at least the next three years. And the next time we release. A classic IP, we need to really think out of the box and do something different. Like, we need a quote-unquote Super Mario Sunshine. Not necessarily that game, but I mean, right. at least that was doing something very different. No, I actually understand where you're coming from, and it's funny that you mentioned that, but, but that's, that's actually a solid approach. Okay, so you're, you're coming in, you're telling creative to... Um, Start start digging in the crates and utilizing what they have. Uh, let's talk about the hardware side for a second. How would you how would you boost hardware sales? How would you get the Wii U into every home imaginable? What would you do? That's a really difficult question because I I me personally don't see anything wrong with the Wii U as a piece of hardware. I mean. It has great graphic capability. It has it has a, a very different controller that that can make for very innovative gameplay. Right. The biggest issue with it was the battery, and at least now they they offer a stronger battery. One, I'd make sure that 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 higher capacity battery comes in all new new console boxes. Right. Um. I guess. Again, with the the games, we would have to make sure that, at the very least, our and I mean Nintendo's first party games are making a more innovative use of that that tablet controller, right. and that the the one thing that's really selling well, the the amiibos, that more games are are um, stressing that that amiibo relationship that you, you can get bonuses 
and advantages by having an amiibo for a game. Okay. All right. Not not bad. So you you posed a lot of a lot of interesting scenarios, a lot of scenarios that definitely would probably help take Nintendo in the right direction. I um I'm going to go a little different. I'd walk in there Monday morning and the first thing I would do is take the original Super Mario Brothers, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out and Excite Bike and release them on Android and iOS for 99 cents. First order of business. First order. I would walk in and tell them, you need to take Mario and put that shit on an iPhone and put that on an Android device for a buck. And then what I would do is that I would take newer IPs and find ways to integrate mobile, tablet, and regular functionality into them. Meaning, for instance, you could cross-platform play a multiplayer Legend of Zelda game between your 3DS, your Wii U, and let's say your iPhone. Multiplayer with three, with three devices in one shot. First order of business. And the reason I say this is um, that Nintendo's problem has always been, and they never want to talk about it, is people bootlegging their shit. You know this. You know the, uh, the infamous RAM carts and, and the exploits on the original Wii that people were able to play everything. You remember those days. Shit was bad. Well, even earlier than that, you have the, the bootleg NES cartridges that had 30 games on That's it. right. Exactly. So think about it. If Nintendo said, listen, we're first, first order of business, we're going to take our catalog from 1985, all those favorite Nintendo games, and we're going to release them on mobile for 99 cents a game. I guarantee you that the top five games on either platform will be Nintendo titles. Top five. No Angry Birds, no Temple Run, no Words with Friends, no fucking Candy Crush, Super Mario 1, 2, and 3. Add a save feature for Legend of Zelda, throw that shit on mobile. And tie in mobile achievements. Imagine being able well, to... Well, that was the other thing I, was, I, I didn't even mention, is that I thought that when they, they announced the Wii U that they said there was going to be some kind of system, but right. they really need to implement some kind of trophy or achievement system or whatever they're going to call it. Because, right. I mean, it's it's really just bragging rights, but Nintendo is the king of, of freaking talking about bragging rights. And there's so many gamers out there that, like myself, are trophy and achievement whores. Well, that's that's one way to look at it, but here's here's another thing I would I would do, I would start selling, or I would partner with a third party company and sell extra Wii U tablet controllers, period, well, extra Wii U tablet controllers, and then what I would do is I would take the matter of family, and family gaming, and say, hey, if you want to play Wii U on the monopoly on Wii U Monopoly, and you use four controllers you'll be able to have your own bank, you'll have all your properties, and enhance the gameplay. Imagine that. Imagine leveraging, because it's always Nintendo's message isn't, it's not about you, it's not about me, it's about we. It's about all of us. It's about g- gaming together. And 
that message has been lost since the original Wii came out when it had people playing all the, you know, the bowling games and all that. So you remember coming to my house, we'd play the fucking bowling game and all that bullshit. And the boxing. And the boxing and the Wii, and the Wii U boxing. Can't do that anymore because it's like if you want to, you got to buy the nunchuck and the stick and I got to have a controller and I need the fucking tablet. And then before you know it, the experience is so disjointed because not everybody's enjoying it. I'll give you an example. Uh, my wife and I were playing Splatoon, and she was playing with the controller. I was playing with the tablet. Now, the picture that she sees on screen is her playing. I have to play the game and use everything on the tablet. While I, excuse me, while I think that's all that's great and, and that's kind of cool, I have to be hunched over looking at my tablet while she's staring at my 50-inch television. Gotcha. Does that make any fucking sense? No. Simple as that. No. And on top of that, I would take the Wii U and I would give people options. You can buy you can do a bundle with a Wii U, a Pro Controller, and Smash Brothers for $149. Simple as that. Well, or isn't the Wii U still retailing for like two hundred right now? Uh two ninety nine with the the thirty two gig storage. One ninety bring it down to hundred and twenty nine dollars? I'd bring it to a hundred and fifty. Hundred and fifty. That's a huge price cut, dude. Well, check this out. Hundred and fifty. I would remove the tablet controller because yeah, you could use it and that's great, but I would offer that bundle as another way to get people to buy the system. Think about when Microsoft released that stupid Xbox three sixty with four gigs of storage. Yes, that's the first response. But you gotta remember in an era where children are, where kids are trying to play multiplayer games and be, be involved together, sometimes the parents aren't able to shell out that three, four hundred bucks in a grip. But if you give somebody an affordable price point of one fifty and you take out the tablet controller, because yeah, the tablet controller is great, but you offer people the possibility down the road to buy it, wouldn't more people be inclined to pick it up? I hear what you're saying. And that's that's the kind of stuff that you got to look at. The problem is that Nintendo figures, hey, you're getting a free game and 32 gigs of storage. You're getting a fucking tablet as a controller. And I'm like, yeah, cool, great, wonderful. But what happens to the people that come over? They get the guest controller, you know? And the, the fact that they also assume that everybody that buys a Wii U has a Wii. Exactly. Which is probably true considering the sales that we made, but it's still kind of fucked up to assume that, yeah, you can use all your old controllers. What if I don't have any? That was me. That was me because I sold my, my Wii system with everything. I got rid of it because I wasn't playing. I was collecting dust. So I sold it with everything. Am I going to keep a controller for sentimental value? No. Fuck out of here. But that's what I'm saying. Their approach... And, and this is the whole purpose, you know? The, the, the whole purpose is you're trying to get in as many homes as possible. You're trying to get as many games out there as possible. And on top of that, the, the dependency on developing for the tablet controller has been a gift and a curse. Because developers are like, ugh, we got to develop for this crazy shit. And that's what happens. A lot of developers, they'll go in, Nintendo's like, all right, here's what we're making. And they're like, are you kidding me? How powerful is the system? Oh, it's like this. Uh, yeah. And I mean, 
Sure, developers are also picky motherfuckers, but you also got to look at it from the standpoint that as a as somebody who's a, a techie, and I can vouch for this, uh, Brian Monroe in the chat can vouch for this, any listener can vouch for this, we like having the most cutting-edge stuff. And this is for everyone, whether it's the latest, the latest Nikes, the latest, you know, the latest iPod, iPhone, iPad, laptop, monitor, console, latest Blu-ray. We all are victims of it. We all do it. So why would you want a developer who's developing on a PS4 and an Xbox One to try and make Madden, just as an example, look as good? And then you got to say, well, the playbook, you're going to do it on the tablet. Fuck you. You see what I'm saying? Like, think about it. Think about it. You're a developer and you just finished making this game that you know is a million dollar title. And then they go and they're like, oh, yeah, we're meeting with Nintendo today. Oh, good. They're going to knock out a brand new system. Hopefully we could check it out. And we walk in and the guy goes, yeah, this is our new system. Uh, great new tablet controller. And we're like, wow, this is fantastic. It's awesome. All right. Well, we want you to put Madden on it. Oh, yeah, we could do that. That's great. Definitely. It would sell a lot of a lot of volume. Yeah, but we were thinking if you guys could code it, that the playbook is only on the tablet controller and not on the screen. What? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like that's it's fine that you want to go that route. And that's great. And you want to innovate. But you're making people not only not have the cutting edge system to do it on, but you're you're making them reinvent the wheel for your gimmick. I mean, that's fine, but the gimmick shouldn't be front and center. Like the gimmick should be applicable to the games where the glim- where the gimmick is made specifically for that. But third-party companies, they look at Nintendo and they're like, "We're not going to do that shit." So the screen, it just sits there. Unfortunately, you're exactly right when you say they're not going to do that shit. Yep. They just turn around and they go, "Yeah, okay." Nintendo's like, uh, hey, guys, how about putting uh, Tekken on our system? Are, are, you, are you still expecting us to only control special attacks with the screen? Like, that's the kind of shit they probably deal with. You know I'm right. And really, the other thing is that the, um, considering they're for an older console... The cost of those ancillary controllers is really too high. Like, yep, that pro controller is like fifty bucks. Yep, we bought we bought one because um, my wife and I were she she originally had picked up uh, you know the regular Wiimote to play Mario Kart, and you're playing Mario Kart, and of course it's like, oh hey, by the way, make sure you you know you tilt the wheel to turn. And yeah, don't get me wrong, we've all played games where we're playing a game and we're going like this and shit, we're, we're moving around and, and, and you know, just, just making that the name of the game, but why are you making that mandatory, you know? <laughs> like, I just want to play this shit, A for gas, B for break, D-pad to turn, thanks. So, she didn't want to deal with the bullshit, and... They, of course, they don't sell another tablet controller, so she picked up the Pro Remote, which is fine. I mean, it's a nice remote, works well, but again, it's craziness. Now, and um, go ahead. No, I was just asking, isn't a combination of the Wiimote and the Nunchuck still like 60 bucks? Pretty much, give or take. 
I think the nunchuck is nineteen ninety nine and the Wemo yeah, about fifty bucks together. Fifty or sixty, depending on if there's a deal on it. And that's ridiculous. Yep. It's like why don't you just put out the tablet controller I mean, for ninety nine bucks at this point? It's a fucking thirty dollar difference. Simple as that. And but, at least at least, you know, let two people on the household be able to look at the screen if they want to exactly. and get all those extra features. Correct. Well, while we were on the subject of Nintendo titles, you know Ubisoft, as you mentioned, essentially told Nintendo to go fuck themselves when it came time to develop titles for the Wii U. Well, Ubisoft stuck it to Nintendo even more so because you remember Zombie U? I, I saw that just as you were saying that. Yep. But go ahead. Zombie U, which was a Wii U title when it came out that everybody thought was super innovative because it actually used the remote correctly is no longer Nintendo exclusive because um, it's going to be coming out on PlayStation 4, Windows PC, and Xbox One on August 18th. It's going to be just named Zombie. They're dropping the U because why not just stick the dagger in a little more? Um, And it's going to be released digitally. Now, of course, the the original Zombie U dropped on on the Wii U in 2012. Everybody liked it. People thought it was awesome. Uh, but the game was not profitable. But nonetheless, you took an IP that you created for this system that everybody liked, and then you're like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to give it a fresh coat of paint and release it on another system because we can. How insane is that shit? Well, Ubisoft continues to do things that I don't entirely agree with. Like, I'm not mad at them for trying to make some money off a zombie. Right. But um, just the continual shitting on Nintendo was fucked up. And I really hope it comes back to bite them in the ass. Listen, why can't you, and, and people are going to think I'm insane for saying this, why can't you, in a, why can't you do an Assassin's Creed-style game with Link doing parkour? Don't get me wrong, he doesn't have to stab anybody in the head, but why not? Why not just partner with Ubisoft and be like, yo, we want you to make a, a, an Assassin's Creed-style game with Link? Right? Why not? Like I said, fresh ideas with old characters. Yep. Hey, EA, we got an idea. Everybody likes boxing. Let's create a brand new Punch-Out, but the boxing is going to be done with Nintendo characters and a mixture of pet characters from Punch-Out. So you could use Little Mac or Mario, or you could have a boxing match between Donkey Kong and Bowser. Fuck it. Why not? Tell me that shit would not sell. I don't know why they sell. didn't do that with the one that came out on the Wii. Tell me that shit wouldn't sell, dude. Of course it would. Remember when when I bought for the for the for the GameCube Sega Soccer Slam? Do you remember that at all? Just vaguely. Or Super Mario Strikers, the soccer one? That I remember. But think about it. Super Mario Strikers, everybody loved that shit. It was it was fun, people were playing it. Leverage all that shit. Oh, and it was FIFA Street. Thank you. FIFA Street with Nintendo characters. Thank you. Hey, EA, you don't want to put your hockey game on our system? Fuck it. We're going to do, uh, you know, Mario Hockey League or Wii U Hockey, where you could use your Miis and all the Nintendo characters and create teams. You can have a team of Goombas and a team of, of Shy Guys, and you have your goalie and your captain. Done. Oh, you don't want to put Madden on our system? We're going to do Wii U NFL, you know, Wii U football. Fuck it. Why not? 
why not leverage the characters? You don't think people would buy that? You don't think little kids would play that immediately? I mean, Mario Tennis is very popular. I, yep. I don't know why they don't do it either. There you go. That's all I'm saying. And on top of that, now you, now companies are taking the IPs that they created for you and they're and they're essentially recycling them for the next company and selling them for more money and people will probably end up buying those games. You know that. Cuz the graphic the well, graphic that's, that's re- a whole other issue that we we were talking about before how yep this the- generation of consoles seems to be relying heavily on just rehashing shit. Yep. All of them. Now, uh, a couple of things. Um, if you saw on Rageworks earlier this week, you guys know that I posted the trailer because they made Arnold Schwarzenegger's T-800 from T2 and the original T- Terminator from 1984 playable characters on WWE 2K16 uh, via pre-order. Pre- you pre-order the game, you get Arnold. On top of that, Obviously, because of Hogan's little scandal, he was removed from the game. Uh, 2K did confirm that. And a couple of roster announcements also came out, including uh, that you'd be able to play as Andre the Giant, Triple H, The Rock. Alexa Bliss was announced. Of course, Stone Cold, Daniel Bryan, Dean Ambrose, Finn Balor, because why the fuck not? Paige, Bad News Barrett, and Eva Marie. Of course, the roster will continue to grow as the game gets closer. Now, the funny thing is, we went from the Undertaker edition, the Hulkamania edition with Clan Hood included, and now the Terminator edition. Like, I understand Arnold's in the Hall of Fame, and it's cool, but really? Like, that? you essentially took a creator wrestler off the internet and put him in the game. Gee, doesn't that sound familiar from WWE? Yep. <laughs> Because we created out of nowhere. No, the fuck you didn't. Nope. No, you didn't. It's like, it's like, hey, we're going to go into the creator wrestler uh, repository that's online and see who people created. Oh, look, Arnold. Damn, that looks pretty good. We're going to make it better. Arnold's going to have a Kevin Nash moveset. <laughs> Probably. You know it. It's going to be, get over here. Oh my God! A power bomb! Like that's what it's gonna be. It's gonna be Lawler commentary. Well, no, because JBL and Cole are doing the commentary. We we know how exciting that's gonna be. Ugh. Well, another another game, and this, and we, and you and I have talked about this because there's always a, a, an issue on con uh, on console releases involving Lara Croft. Every time a Lara Croft Tomb Raider game comes out, there's a pissing contest about console exclusivity. The game looks better on this system. The game looks better on that system. And everybody gets lost. The, the, the general message and greatness of the game gets lost in what's essentially a pissing contest between companies. Well, that pissing contest is going to continue with Rise of the Tomb Raider, which originally was announced as a time exclusive for Xbox, but is now going to be released on PlayStation 4 and PC during the holiday season in 2016. It was obviously with uh, Xbox One and Xbox 360 users getting it first on November 10th. So if you have an Xbox One or a 360... They tried to make it sound like it was only coming out on Xbox. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But think about that. Now you have this game that is in stores in November. Why are you going to wait an entire year to play it on the other system? (laughs) Does that make 
any sense. Microsoft gave them a shitload of money. No, I understand that. But at that point, the game is coming out an entire year later. It's 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 madness. It's stupid. It is the most insane thing that I read. I'm like, are are you joking? And then I'm looking and I'm like, nope, they really not. Which is crazy because you remember the last Tomb Raider game that came out? They actually gave it away free a couple of months ago on uh, Xbox and on PlayStation on the PSN. And that game was tremendous. And I said to myself, this was a, a, a game that got a, a free coat of paint. And look how good it looks. Imagine when they develop it from the ground up. Now you're developing the game from the ground up and one, one set of customers is going to get screwed in the deal. And me and you joked about this way back in the beginning when these consoles were both on the, on the verge of being neck and neck. We both said we're at a stage in the game where it's not which console is better. It's which console has the most original shit because both of them have essentially the same stuff. And we, when I say we, I mean the gaming community could be so dangerous if we actually banded together and did things as a unit. Because think about it. Great. If you have an Xbox One, great. You'll get the game in a couple of months. Let's say you only have, let's say you're a PC Master Race person or a PS4 person. You got to wait another year. That's right. What if those people got together and just didn't buy it at all when that shit came out? Just said, fuck it. <laughs> there you go. Because it said, fuck it, because in six months, it'll be free on, on as the, the uh, PlayStation Plus game of the month. We already waited a year, so why not wait another six months? And the PC people said, fuck it, we can pirate it. There you go. It's crazy, dude. It is crazy. I guarantee you... Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics would never do that dumb shit again. I just don't understand. I understand timed exclusives, but the timed exclusive may be 30 days, maybe 60 days, but an entire year later, why bother at that point? Like, I was talking about this with a few friends. Timed exclusives should be timed exclusive content. If you're putting out a game and it's not going to be an exclusive to one console... You don't release it on another console and the PC a year later. Right. Makes perfect sense. Uh, While we are on the subject of timed timed content and exclusive content, The Witcher 3 is getting a brand new game mode, which is titled Game Plus Mode. It is supposed to be the final piece of DLC for the game. Of course, uh, the studio did confirm that the new game mode won't be released this week since they need a little bit more time to finish it, but... It should be ready to go in a couple of weeks. Um, you've you've spoken positive, you know, extremely positive about. Well, you've mentioned on numerous occasions how well The Witcher Three not only has performed via gameplay, but how well the developer is handling DLC. Now, with this new Game Plus mode, it's the final piece. I mean, the game has been well received, made a shit ton of money. At this point, are you personally still playing it? Well, I mean, to be honest, I haven't really had much time with it just because I've been swamped in other games. But I think it's a very smart move because, again, props to CD Projekt Red because they're doing so many things that are good for the gamers. Right. New Game Plus 
is a smart move because not everybody is the I'm going to speed run through this game this weekend person. I agree. It takes a lot of people a long time to get everything and actually beat a game. I agree, 100%. And The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt has 32 different endings. Obviously, they want you to experience, I'd say, at least two of them. I agree. But if I got to start from scratch on a game that has potentially hundreds of hours of gameplay before the additional content that they're going to release next year, I'm not going to play that over again just to see a different ending. Right. Not without some kind of incentive, and New Game Plus is that perfect incentive. There you go. If I have some of the equipment, some of the abilities that I developed on, on during the, the first playthrough. Right. No, you're you're 100% right. I think um, they're, they're definitely doing it smart. It's good that The Witcher is still getting content and keeping the game out there at the forefront. I'm sure, and, and even if that is the case, they're going to release a Game of the Year edition for that game. But guess what? Even if they did, it would just get picked up by people who maybe just didn't have an opportunity to pick up the game the first time because it wasn't like the people that got the season pass are getting fucked over in the process. I don't think they will be releasing a Game of the Year edition. I think that the original release will, will continue to be the only release simply because the game came out months ago and even if you pick it up on Black Friday, let's say I got it day one, so I got all the additional content. Right. Let's say you get it on Black Friday. Guess what? You still get all that content, and it's still free. Right, but I, there there are instances where they do sometimes remove that content from the store. So that's where I'm saying a, a Game of the Year version may still may still rear its head. You are right with regards to if you do jump in for Black Friday on a deal, but I'm just talking about past that. If they if they do it again, it wouldn't it wouldn't upset anyone like all the times that you and I have spoken about uh, ultimate versions of games that everybody paid you know the extra forty dollars of D- for DLC you know. Well, if if any of that content got removed from the store, I think it would be Sony that did it, yep. not CD Projekt Red. And oh, definitely not Sony. I don't see them doing it because I've uh, to to use an example. Um, Lego Marvel Superheroes. Right. I didn't play that for pretty much like a year after it came out. I just played that like a couple of months ago. Okay. And the game had pretty much been out for a year, but all the content that came out for it is still available. Oh, that's a plus. That's very good. All right. Like the the games the 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 games that have DLC that I've checked out, all the DLC is still there, even if. These are games that came out when the the console launched. All right. Well, then then I'm gonna hold it. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold you to it. I think that if that game does come come down or or ends up being reduced on Black Friday, maybe I'll pick it up because I gotta I gotta try and make my way through the backlog of some of this stuff. <laughs> well, that that game is definitely you know right up your alley because it's just hardcore blood and guts violence works for me um i did want to close out with uh some brand new ps plus games for august which if you have a playstation 4 you're getting four games at your disposal um one of course involves a character we just talked about which is lara croft 
So if you missed out on Lara Croft and the Temple of Osiris, you will be able to pick that up in August. Also, they're going to be giving away Limbo, which is a very, very creepy but highly enjoyable game. Of course, that will be also available on the PS3 and the Vita. Also, you're going to get Stealth Inc. 2, a game of clones. And um, also God of War Ascension on the PS3 and Castle Storm. Not a bad lineup, right? Not a bad lineup at all. The the, the, the Temple of Osiris. The PS Plus, and it, it, it continues to, to pay, to for, pay itself. for itself. Is that every month there's a variety of games and even if you don't, you know, you don't care for some of them, they're worth checking out. Hell, didn't you share on social media? Didn't you share on social media about a week ago that that PS Plus was on sale for forty bucks? Right, it was. Um, Best Buy was doing uh, Black Friday in no, sorry, Cyber Monday in July. Because why this not? Past Monday, <laughs> and on Monday. For that one day only, unfortunately, it was forty bucks for the year, which is normally fifty. Right. And I know a few people that that you know made it off like a bandit. Only reason why I didn't is because you know I was paying some other bills at the time. Well, the thing that gets me is think about it. You get Temple of Osiris this month, or well in August, and even God of War Ascension, which on PS3 now might be thirty bucks. So. That game alone is 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 part of your your PS Plus membership, right? Can't beat that, even if you wanted to. And the membership stacks because I think I'm good. I don't know if I'm good to the end of this year, or the end of next year. I know I'm good till December something. But if you have an active membership and you like enter the code for one of those cards, it just extends your membership. Yeah, I got to start doing that with Xbox Live. I hadn't done it in a while when they kept doing deals for Xbox Live, and I just kept stacking them. I got to definitely try and do that when they do deals for that in the future. Well, I always keep my eyes open, so if I see something, I'll let you know. Oh, yeah, definitely keep me posted. Um, Before we wrap things up, is there anything else you wanted to add? Yeah, man. I mean, usually in the past we've always said that Summer has has been the, the dog days period for, for gaming, but yeah. July in particular has been really, really good this year. I mean, whether you're you know a PC person, a, a PlayStation person, or an Xbox person, there's just been a bunch of games just this month alone that cover just about anything anybody could want. I mean, we started the month with, well, not start, it was the middle, but... You know, they had, for me and you, there was Godzilla, which it doesn't matter how good or bad the game is. We, we, you and I were going to get a fucking Godzilla game where you beat the shit out of everything in sight and destroy the city. Yep, 100%. I mean, you have games like Rocket League, which I know a lot of people... Oh, that, that game's that my crack. PS4 were playing. That game is my crack. I said to myself, I said to myself, soccer... With cars, this is going to be fucking stupid. And you know what I was doing at 4.30 in the morning? Playing Rocket League. Rocket League. And if you have a PS4 and you haven't heard of Rocket League, you have roughly 23 hours right now because it's still free. Yep. Get on that shit, guys. Rocket League is fantastic. I was going to stream it a few nights ago, 
But I'm like, no, but I, I don't have, I didn't have a mic set up, and I'm like, I'm just, gonna, what are people gonna do? Just watch me smack this ball around with, with playing four on four with cars? Eh, fun game though, super yeah. fun. A lot of people from the the PS3 era enjoyed Skullgirls. Now Skullgirls is on PS4. Yep. That came out yep. July 7th. I mean, we we kind of shit on it for for um, double dipping, but. You have God of War three that came out this month, yep. which looked fantastic on the PS4. Yeah, it did look beautiful. Adam, not enough, not enough for me to want to play that shit again, but but definitely, but it definitely looked good. Again, when it's the the free game of the month, there, there you go. I agree. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. Activision pulled a, an RKO and released the prototype bundle, prototype one and two. That's right. For, for digital release on the PS4, the Xbox One, on July 14th. I'm like, nobody knew that shit was coming. It's just on July 14th, they were like, here. Yep, that's true. Like, okay. Solid. A, a, another episode of the, the Telltale Games Game of Thrones series. That's right. You had the most fucking crazy out of nowhere game. This game called Hatterful Boyfriend that I know a lot of people are talking about. Because, you know, everybody knows in Japan that dating sim games are big. So they brought one over here, but it's not a regular dating sim game. Because you're a guy, (laughs) excuse me, going to a high school full of birds. And I don't mean (laughs) girls of of ill repute. I mean, actual fucking birds. And he's trying to date them. Oh, my God. (laughs) Exactly. Is he putting Molly in their bird seed? <laughs> I doubt it. Put that Molly in that bird seat. Like, he looks nothing like a guy that used to to bring us NBC Family Entertainment. Damn it! Journey came out on PS4, which if you haven't played Journey, I mean, it's worth picking it up on PS4. That game was insane. That's true. Another guilty pleasure game. I, I, I'll, I'm going to murder the name of this. One Shambara, that game with the girls in the bikinis where you just chop shit up. Oh, Onichibara. That came out on PS4. I did see that in Best Buy, and I was like, what the fuck is this doing here? <laughs> that was exactly. my response. And then probably one of the, the... The thing is, some of the biggest games that came out this month aren't even like disc games. They're just, you know, PSN or... or um, Xbox Live Arcade titles. Right. Steam titles. Right. Tembo the Badass Elephant. Just the name. That Tembo alone. Tembo the Badass Elephant. Does get my attention. The game is a Sonic-style game, which not coincidentally is made by Sega. Of course. Where you play an elephant and literally run roughshod over everything. You know what? And I'm actually about to download that one. I, if I can, I, I'll stream that shit. Dude. Because that game just looks ridiculous and a lot of fun. Can we just have Rockstar do a double dip and, re, and re-release Bully on PS4 or Xbox One? Even better, the Warriors. Oh, yes. Abs- the Warriors would be dope, man. I would take that. The Warriors was such a fun game. Also, the... um, What... You know what I wouldn't mind, and I know that people are going to complain or be or feel offended. Manhunt. There's, I mean, there's, like you said, the people will be offended, especially after that game. Hatred came out. 
Yeah, but manhunt. I don't see that. I don't see that um, Rockstar would put themselves in that boat again. Dude, I'd release Manhunt digitally. That game was just ridiculous. I mean, yeah, the the subject matter was a little rough, but it, the the concept and the story, man, was just was so deep and top notch, man. Then again, you never know because um, for people who play Grand Theft Auto Five, after High Smoke came out, they added a lot of masks because in a lot of the missions. You're supposed to, you know, hide your identity and put on a mask. One of the available masks is a very fucked up looking smiley face that says, please stop me on, on it. Huh. Interesting. Very interesting. But not, not definitely and not a... Unfortunately, not all of the news was good because actually before I go to that, there's one other game that people should definitely check out if they have any of the new consoles or their Steam users, or have actually used their Vita, is a game called The Swindle. I heard about that. The Swindle is basically a steampunk stealth game where you just commit burglaries in the 19th century and hack computers. Yes, I said hack computers in the 19th century. It's actually um, a PlayStation cross-buy. I bought it on PS4, and that gives it to you on PS3 and PS Vita as well. Oh, that's not bad at all. Unfortunately, the same offer does not carry over to Xbox One. You get it on Xbox One, you get it on Xbox One. That's it. You're one and done. The the bad news came from one of the games that I was really, really looking forward to. Right. Which is King's Quest. That's right. When we, um, when Danny and I did the live blog for the video games awards. They had announced the, you know, the remake of King's quest and it looked incredible. I was like, I was sold right there. Right. And I really was because I jumped on it. They, they had the, the pre-order where the, the game's being released in five episodes. If you pre-ordered the whole thing for 40 bucks, you all, you got all five episodes bought and you get, uh, an additional, um, epilogue episode. Right. So you'll get six for the price for less than the price of five. Right. Because if you buy them individually, they're nine ninety nine each. Okay. So King Quest came out on to on Tuesday, this past Tuesday, July twenty eighth. If you didn't buy the bundle and just downloaded episode one, you've been playing King's Quest for the past few day few days. If you wanted to get the whole experience like myself and bought the the complete package, guess what? Not only have you not been playing King's Quest, as of me talking right now, you still can't play King's Quest. Damn. It's fucked up. Because something that I don't know who dropped the ball, whether it's Sony, the odd gentleman that developed it, that's the name of the company, or Sierra, somebody fucked up. Because when when you try to, to when you turn on your PS4 and you try to start King's Quest, I have the shit downloaded. I checked; it said nothing went wrong and that the download is fine. I try to start it and it says that um, an update is required. In fact, I'll tell you right now. I just hit start on it. To use this application, you must update it. To check the download status for the up, update file, select notifications, download. So. Let's check it. Check for update. 
None. The installed application is the latest version. <laughs> so I have King's Quest. I just can't fucking play it. Fun times, dude. Fun times. Somebody definitely dropped the ball, and I can understand the frustration. I'm sure your frustration is echoed by everyone that was trying to play the Street Fighter V beta. <laughs> I played one game, and then the shit broke. But, again, it's a beta. Did they officially close it? I believe so, yeah. I believe they did. And, I mean, we, we had that discussion as well. I mean, like you said, there were definitely ways around it. I have no problem with a beta going wrong because it's a beta. Right. What I have a beef with is charging for it. Of course. Because even if you were one of the, you know, the savvy people that waited until you downloaded the beta and then, you know, returned your your pre-order and and got your money back, the fact remains you had to pay to get it. Right. And the shit didn't work. Even Very if true. it did work, you still had to pay. You had to pay for basically doing something that normally a company would either give you for free or pay these people that are oddly called beta testers <laughs> to do. Uh, it's funny shit, bro. They it... made you pay for something that pe- other people get paid to do. And yes. that's a load of bullshit to me. Yes, yes and no, and I'll tell you why. What they did was... And this is where the where some people feel that's the case. I, I disagree, and I'll tell you why. If you're going to buy the game, you were going to pre-order the shit anyway. All they did was dangle a carrot to make you pre-order the game sooner. Like, don't get me wrong. I w- I'm going to buy Street Fighter V regardless. If the beta wouldn't have come out, I would have just ended up pre-ordering the game in January or February if the game was scheduled... Uh, if the rumored release of March still applies. You get what I'm saying? Like, I still would have done it. Right. It was still going to happen. The only reason I gave the the pre-order the five bucks that I gave a couple of months early is because they were like, hey, you pre-order it now, you play the beta. That was it. And me being a Street Fighter fan, I wanted to play the shit. It's like, yo, if I could play this shit a couple of months earlier, I'm game. I'm good for that. But the pre-order, all they did was instead of giving you a free character or a fucking sticker book or a baby bib or a slap bracelet or whatever other piece of garbage they give you when you pre-order a game, they said, yo, you can play the game in advance of release and help us test it if you wish. And that was it. So what they did was they just dangled the carrot of early access. Everybody that pre-ordered it, you weren't obligated to pay the money until you felt like buying the game. But the fact is that if you wanted to play the pre-order and you love Street Fighter, that $5 was guaranteed. You get what I'm saying? On the contrary, the lure of the beta just got more people to pre-order, which is one of the reasons why shit got fucked up. They probably were like, hey, you know, we'll get a, a couple of, a couple hundred thousand people. And before you know it, everybody's like, yo, here's my $5. Hook me up. On top of the fact that dudes but were... But here's the counter-argument to that. Which is... Everything you just said is 100% correct because Street Fighter has been around since, like, 1988. Right. What if it wasn't? Even though this is Street Fighter V, let's say it's Street Fighter V and Capcom was just wacky and just decided to name this brand new IP Street Fighter V. Right. And everybody was like, what the fuck happened to the first four? 
which would be a valid argument. So brand new IP, and you got to pay to test it out. Well, no, you're not. You get what I'm saying? No, I, I understand how that comes across, but again... You're not paying to test it out. If you're pre-ordering the game, dude, you're pre-ordering the game. That's what I'm saying. New IP or not, if you see a trailer, you're like, yo, I like the way that shit looks. And at the end of the trailer, they go, pre-order now to get the game six months early. That's all it is. It's just, hey, we're not going to give you a slap bracelet or a fucking pair of socks. You can play the game before everyone else. It's not complete. It's whatever. But you could play it and, and, you know, share your thoughts on it. This was done because they know that the, the, the Street Fighter franchise, for all its storied history, left a sour taste in people's mouths with regards to the DLC, the double, triple, quadruple dipping, which Capcom is notorious for. So they're like, fuck, how can we make this up? How can we get people to be invested in Street Fighter like they were when 4 came out? All right, let's give them a beta. It's no different than anybody else doing it. When Uncharted came out, they did their multiplayer beta. That shit was broken, too. People getting trapped behind walls. Uh, you know, the stage is not rendering correctly. Guys just shooting at people with three guns at the same time because for some reason Nathan Drake would have a third arm. Dude, all that shit was commonplace. Yeah, dude, all of it was commonplace. And all they said was... Well, we were giving you beta access for free. The name says it all. Beta. You don't got to play it and just wait till the game comes out. You see what I'm saying? It's not mandatory. You could have just as easily pre-ordered the game in February. All the betas were done, and you'd just wait. You would just wait. And for your trouble, you would get a replica Ryu bandana made of 100% polyester. <laughs> you know, like, that's, that's how it is. I don't feel that it was a bait and switch. Like, a lot of people were angry, and they were on Facebook all pissing vinegar. The fucking beta's broken, blah. And I'm like, it's a beta. And the shits, they're giving you the access. They don't have to. They don't got to do shit. Remember, remember when I, they... And that's why I said, what you're saying is not wrong. My thing is, like, I guess maybe I'm confusing a beta with a demo. Right. Well... Yeah, it's like if if it was a demo, dude, you, you do this to, to entice people to get the game, right? Even whether it's a new IP or an established one, right? You're trying to entice people to get the game. People shouldn't have to pay for that. But they, but you're not really paying for it, dude, because they could have released the beta for free. But the bait and switch was the fact that they're like, "Yo, we gotta move units." It's still a business, and that's the thing that you and I spoke about off air. The shit is still a business. It's no different than than Xbox gift wrapping Halo inside Crackdown. Because let's be honest, even though you, me, and a bunch of other people thought Crackdown was a fun game, nobody was jumping out to buy that shit. But as soon as you say, buy, well, buy Crackdown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But again, we're in the minority because we thought the game looked ridiculous. But to everybody else, the dangling carrot was... Get access to blah, 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 Halo. Keyword, Halo. That was it. Nothing else. You know how many people I know bought Crackdown just to play Halo and never even played Crackdown? Dude, I know. That was a sad-ass thing to me. Thank you. But it's the same thing. I know guys right now that we are mutually friends with that pre-ordered the Street Fighter beta only to cancel it 
before the game comes out just so they can play to shit. We know these humans. <laughs> we know them. We know them. That's all I'm saying. I'm not I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to reinforce the argument or fight the argument or or make it that I'm, you know, I'm giving Capcom props, but at the end of the day, it your $5 just got you access to play to shit. It could have got you like I said a mug, a fucking bandana, you know, a paper a paperweight, maybe a money clip. Give me a freaking a latex cast of Cammy's butt cheeks. Well, remember, remember when they yes, did? Yes, I said it. Damn it! That's all right. Remember when they did that that Street Fighter Four pre order where they were given the little busts and they were given the bust of like Akuma. And yeah, that's, I yeah, dude, and that shit sold out immediately. And again, this was you pre order the game and you and you weren't even buying like a super high end version. If you pre order the game, you got the bust. It wasn't super big. But you were getting this bust for your troubles. It's all a matter of just the incentive to pre-order the game. That's it. That's all it is. Now, like you said, if it would have been a demo and the demo would have been busted, then, hey, you guys put out a shitty demo. Good work. But it was just, hey, we're opening this up. We're going to let you guys get some playtime in. They had Street Fighter V at Evo. They got Street Fighter V at a kiosk at Six Flags. The game is out there. You can play it. If you're if you a went to Evo or B are going to Six Flags and go to one of the kiosks that has it set up, otherwise you got to plunk your five dollars down like the rest of the plebs and wait. But to go on social media and wah 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 piss and moan about it, the key word beta, aka I'm tripping out right now because what you just told me is that there are people out there that paid I don't even know how much it costs anymore whatever money just to go into Six Flags to then pay probably $2 a game to play Street Fighter Five. No, you know there are people out there that are doing that. Well, yeah, but you don't got to pay to go into the kiosk. I actually wrote it up and put it on the site, like what they're doing and where the kiosks are going to be set up. But it's part of the quote-unquote Street Fighter experience. Think about it. They're spending money putting this game in all these places because they want people to fucking buy it. This is this is a full blitz. Well, I think the whole implementation of the fight money system is going going to score them a lot of brownie points. Yep. If it if it works the way it sounds like it'll work, and they don't pull any bullshit, they'll they'll redeem themselves for the entire Street Fighter Four fiasco. Yep. Of freaking super duper dipping. Well, even and they even said it. They're like, "Hey, all the DLC, all the extra characters, all that shit, we're giving it to you. You can either unlock them on your own, buy them with the in-fight currency if you wish, or if you want to be super fucking lazy, then you know it's going to cost you real-world cash." But again, key word here: super fucking lazy. <laughs> well, if you're a freaking spoiled child, that too. There's always that. But but again, you know, I, I understand the rationale of where you're coming from. But like I said, the, the dangling carrot was, hey, this was your pre-order bonus. Trust me, you could sit out till February, pre-order the game, buy it, and think it's the greatest game ever, and never have played the beta. And nobody would be mad. I got to do a quick shout-out. Shoot. Quick shout-out to the two assholes in Grand Theft Auto Online, the boy and the girl, 
that got mad, A, when I killed the girl, and the guy killed me and said, don't shoot my girlfriend. He actually said that. I can't even. Then got mad when they came after me, and I killed them both again. That's Dude, a... what's your problem? Uh, God forbid that I kill somebody in Grand Theft Auto. Oh, no, please don't do that. Shout out to you two dickheads. That's it. Shout out to you. There you go. That's actually a great way to close this out. Anything else you wanted to add? <laughs> no, I had to laugh at that. There you go. All right, brother. I appreciate you calling in and giving me the assist this week. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. Peace. Peace. That was our very own Slick. Follow him on Twitter, RW Slick. I know that somebody told me that the uh, video feed dropped some frames. I actually can see that. It says that it dropped 480 frames. I don't know if that's affecting the video or not. I don't even know if the stream is still live. <laughs> but um, I'm recording the video on my end. Like I said, this is uh, baby steps, folks. Baby steps. Anyway, let's switch gears. Let's jump into the entertainment news of the week. Ah, thank you. It is RW underscore slick. I thought it was RW slick. RW underscore slick on Twitter if you want to follow slick there. Of course, you can interact with him on our Facebook fan page and in the Rageworks group as well. Thank you for that, Slick. All right, let's switch gears. Let's jump into the entertainment segment and talk about all the crazy stuff going on with Marvel, including a very, very interesting Spider-Man rumor that came out. So let's get that ball rolling, shall we? So the first thing that I wanted to address is Southpaw. I went to see Southpaw uh, opening weekend, and I I owe you guys a review that I haven't had a chance to publish. But I will say, off the bat, uh, Southpaw was incredibly, incredibly enjoyable. Uh, Very, a very heart wrenching film in a lot of in a lot of ways, uh, just because of the story and the way that it was done. Um, I got to commend Jake Gyllenhaal. He played the character extremely well. His relationship uh, with Rachel McAdams, who played his wife, and also his chemistry with Forrest Whitaker were top notch. Um, It was funny because originally the role of Billy Hope was supposed to be played by Eminem, but Eminem was working on a new album and he was in studio, so he could not take the role and the role of course went to Jake Gyllenhaal but he knocked it out of the park he he pretty much played that role the way Eminem would have played it which is crazy to say but um a tremendous job an extremely enjoyable film um if you enjoy you know boxing movies fighting movies uh definitely check it out like I said there's so many just heart-wrenching moments in the film but again, Antoine Fuqua continues to impress. I think I've enjoyed every movie that he's directed. And um, Southpaw is no different. Uh, definitely give it a shot. Like I said, if you're a boxing fan, um, if you enjoy movies, you know, like in the same vein as Rocky or Gladiator with Cuba Gooding Jr., uh, in, that, in that same niche, uh, definitely give it a shot. I, I endorse it completely. I thought it was incredibly enjoyable. Soundtrack was fantastic. And uh, be on the lookout for the review on Rageworks. Hopefully I can publish it finally uh, this week. Uh, The real world gets in the way, so I know I owe you guys that, but be on the lookout for it. Um, 
switching gears into the news for the week, um, I did want to let you guys know that Avengers Age of Ultron has a release date finally. The DVD and Blu-ray release for the film will be October 2nd. Again, mark that down on your calendars. The Blu-ray, 3D Blu-ray, DVD, standards, uh, standard SD, uh, def- standard definition, and video-on-demand release will be October 2nd. But if you want to pick the film up in 3D digital or digital HD through any of the usual distribution channels, you will be able to pick the film up an entire month early, being September 8th. So you'll be able to pick up a digital copy of Avengers Age of Ultron on September 8th. If you are a physical media uh, purist like myself, you will have to wait till October 2nd. Uh, you're going to get a couple of things. You're going to get a spotlight on the Infinity Gems, which are being called the Infinite Six. You're going to get deleted and extended scenes, which is going to include audio commentary from Joss Whedon. Uh, you got the gag reel. You got audio commentary for the film. You have the making of the film as well. Again, Marvel definitely does not disappoint. They're also releasing a Phase 2 box set with all the Phase 2 films. So if you're in the market for that and you want to wait, uh, we'll share details for that in a la- at a later date with regards to the films, the special features. If you're going to get a, a Tesseract briefcase, you, you guys know the deal. Uh, Marvel definitely does not disappoint, but if you were looking to pick up Age of Ultron, uh, digitally, you're going to be able to do that, like I said, September 8th. If you're going to want it on DVD and Blu-ray, you're going to want to go October 2nd. Uh, Slick also informed me that they're releasing two Steelbook versions of as well, uh, one with Ultron on the back and the other with Vision. So, again, this is the kind of stuff that Marvel does to get you out there buying the shit. So, again, mark those two dates on your calendar. Now, of course, the big buzz as of late has been everything related to DC and the DC Cinematic Universe. Of course, everyone's been talking about all the heroes that are going to be making their debut, whether it be in Batman vs. Superman, The Suicide Squad, or the other films on the horizon. But one film that was discussed at San Diego Comic-Con was the possibility of the Green Lantern Corps coming to the big screen. And that started to pick up a lot of steam as San Diego Comic-Con, you know, proceeded uh well proceeded is a uh, poor word to use uh as san diego comic-con started and ended with dc pretty much being at the top of the food chain with all their announcements well collider actually did an interview with a guy who's been pretty much the source of many rumors relating to the green lantern corpse and that is ty reese uh, many of you know ty reese has hinted on social media on numerous occasions that he is up for the role of john stewart in the new DC Cinematic Universe as one of the Green Lantern Corps. Of course, that is still a rumor at this time, but he has said, and he mentioned it in his interview with Collider, that he did meet with Warner Brothers and DC about possibly donning the Green Ring alongside Hal Jordan and the other members of the Green Lantern Corps as Jon Stewart. Me personally, I still feel that Idris Elba is pretty much Jon Stewart like looking at the way he carries himself, the way he acts, uh, that that's John Stewart to me. I mean, if you wanted to go a little bit older, more elder statesman, crazy as it may sound, I I wouldn't mind seeing Denzel Washington in that role. I think as a as a seasoned Green Lantern, especially if we're going that route, uh, he would do a tremendous job. 
I do think that the rigors of being uh, in that series may catch up with him, but just the, the pedigree of actor would definitely work. If you wanted to go a little younger, and I, I mean, I know that people are kind of looking at him in a negative light because of his involvement in Fantastic Four, but I would probably go Michael B. Jordan as John, as a younger John Stewart only because if you wanted to lock him in for additional films, he's definitely a good actor for that. Again, the Tyrese thing, I'm not 100% against it, but I'm not 100% sold on it either. But if we get any new developments, of course, I will make sure to share it here with you guys. All right, let's talk box office totals. Ant-Man continued to do very, very well at the box office, securing another $24.8 million, now pushing the film's total beyond the $100 million mark, earning $106.1 million. Pixels came in at number two. Of course, everybody pretty much shit on that movie as best they could. I, I personally just am not a fan of what Adam Sandler has become so I refuse to pay money for that film at the box office. But if it is on cable at some point, I'd, I'd give it a watch just to see if it's as shitty as they say. Uh, Minions held on for the number three slot, bringing its grand total to $261.6 million. Trainwreck was number four. Southpaw was number five. Paper Towns was number six. Inside Out continues to make a shitload of money. An additional $7.4 million dollars bringing its grand total to $320.3 million. Jurassic Park came in at number eight, bringing its total into the $600 million mark with $623.8 million. Mr. Holmes came in at number nine, and Terminator Genesis, slowly falling off the top ten, came in in the number ten slot, earning $2.4 million, bringing its total to $85.7 million. In some other DC casting news, besides what we were discussing with regards to Tyrese, uh, a brand new character from the animated world is making her cinematic debut in Batman vs. Superman, and that is the character Mercy Graves. If you guys remember, during the animated Superman series, Mercy Graves was introduced as Lex Luthor's right hand. Uh, She was also kind of reworked as Tess Mercer in Smallville, but is a character that after her popularity in the animated series was started to be, was, you know, was started, uh, they started using her in other uh, capacities throughout various incarnations of Lex Luthor. Well, uh, Tao Okamoto, who many of you may know as the love interest in Wolverine and also as the, Uh, caretaker for Hannibal in the Hannibal TV series is going to be playing Mercy Graves in Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice. Uh, This was confirmed recently via DC All Access and confirmed also by Superhero Hype. Uh, I don't really have an issue with this only because Mercy Graves character, even though she was Lex Luthor's right hand right hand lady, uh, definitely not the same. She's not in the same category as Harley. Uh, Lex Luthor has always surrounded himself with a with a right hand henchwoman going all the way back to to the old Superman movies. Um, originally, of course, Ned Beatty, and later on with Miss Tessmacher, uh, which of course that continued into other incarnations and other films. And again, not a big deal. I know some people were 
were not impressed with the casting, but given the fact that she's, you know, his security detail, his driver, his assistant, it's fine. It's it's not hurting anybody. Nonetheless, I figured you guys would want to know that because it is a character that made the jump from the small screen to the big screen. In some other DC news, and we talked about this quite a bit and also had a good laugh, uh, the rumors originally were that Chris Pine was possibly going to be announced as Hal Jordan at San Diego Comic-Con and lead the Green Lantern Corps. Well, not the case. Unfortunately, Chris Pine will not be playing Green Lantern, but instead will be playing the role of Steve Trevor and will be appearing alongside Gal Gadot in the Wonder Woman film. Now, I have no issue with the Steve Trevor character except the fact that you're taking a guy like Chris Pine who is is a pretty solid leading man and you're essentially making him Wonder Woman's babysitter or Wonder Woman's bitch. That, that's really it. I mean, Steve Trevor's been written a couple of different ways. Originally, he was written as a love interest for Wonder Woman way, way back. And then little by little, they started transitioning him into more of a liaison with Wonder Woman and, you know, her people and the rest of the known world. Me, personally, I understand they wanted to go with an established lead, but... I just feel that a guy like Chris Pine, who who really is a young actor, a credible actor, would have been better suited for a role like Hal Jordan or somebody of, of, of substance in the DC universe. I mean, Steve Trevor, like I said, he's the guy that <clears throat> sounds fucked up, but he's the guy that, you know, carries Wonder Woman's baggage. I'm sorry, but but that's really it. And I just feel that Chris Pine is a better actor than that. That's all I'm saying. On the Marvel side of things, a lot of reports have been floating around that Channing Tatum is is stepping away from the Gambit film that pretty much he expressed interest in doing in the beginning, and it seems that issues have come up that are possibly leading to his departure from the project. A couple of things. First of all, I hate to be the guy that, that, that brings bad news to this scenario, but Gambit does not need his own fucking movie doesn't need it gambit doesn't need his own film i don't give a shit if channing tatum wanted to play him in the first place go in there go in go in there and join the rest of the cast in an ensemble piece like x-men first class or the other x-men films and just do your fucking job there's no need for gambit to get his own movie this is what happens and this is how things get fucked up you don't need it the only character who has an origin deep enough to carry a film is Wolverine. That's it. And I'm not even saying that because he's one of my favorite characters and he's a popular character. It's because his story is so, so intertwined with so many different aspects of the Marvel Universe. Not to mention that he has a sizable rogues gallery and an incredible backstory that definitely would translate well to the big screen if you didn't want to continue to make Wolverine a crying bitch in most of the movies. But I'm serious. Gambit didn't need a movie. Didn't need it. And yes, Channing Tatum wanted to play him, wanted to be the lead in the film, and that's fine, but we don't need it. Because if the film sucks, you ruin the character, and then that role is associated with him for the foreseeable future. You don't need it you don't x-men first class did a did a pretty good job 
introducing characters like Havoc and and tons of other characters without even trying. Serious. All those other characters that were introduced in X-Men First Class, sure, you could have done deeper backstory, but they were introduced, and the film worked. Gambit does not need his own film. I don't care about his time with the, with the Thieves Guild or him running around New Orleans and, and playing cards and conning people. I don't give a shit. You know what I care about? Gambit fighting alongside the X-Men, throwing exploding playing cards at Morlocks and Apocalypse and all that other shit. I don't care about a Gambit solo movie. It is not necessary. You know who doesn't need a solo movie either? Cyborg from from the Justice League, which DC says, oh, he may get his own film. Why? Don't need it. Not necessary. It's not. If you're going to do something like that, utilize the approach that Marvel is doing. Limited series like Agent Carter, Netflix projects like Daredevil, little things. Things that, you, you know, if they don't work, you get 12 episodes out of it and you keep it moving. Period. There's no necessity for a solo Gambit movie. Sorry to say, I know people were excited and they're like, oh, Channing Tatum, he's going to kill it. It's going to be great. You don't need the shit. Let him, let him film his role for X-Men Apocalypse and move on. That's it. Let him move on and that's that. You don't need a solo film. I hate to say it, but it makes no sense. In some what-the-fuck movie news, and it's been a while since I've had to dip into this particular category, if you are a horror aficionado or enjoy horror films as much as I do, we all think about the first horror movie we saw at a young age. And I've, I've seen quite a few growing up. But the film that I remember most as a child was on PBS one night as I was thumbing through the television. Well, not even thumbing through the television because it was a TV with a dial, old TV with a dial before we had a TV with a remote in the kitchen. And they were giving the vampire classic silent film Nosferatu. Now, I remember watching Nosferatu. It was a silent film, but it really embodied fear, horror, fear of the unknown. It did an amazing job. And honestly was ahead of its time. I mean, everybody talks about Bela Lugosi as Dracula and Lon Chaney as the werewolf and all those great universal monster movies. But Nosferatu just had something about it that really, really, really just delivered a great horror experience, especially when you're a kid and you'd never seen something like that before. Well, it pains me to say that they're going to try and remake Nosferatu. Nosferatu came out in 1922. I remember seeing it on PBS in 1986. I think it was 86. I was either six or seven years old at the time, and I got to see Nosferatu. Well, Deadline is reporting that they're going to remake Nosferatu, and um, you know they're they're going to try and and, and give it, of course, a modern twist because why not? Um, it's it's crazy that they would even go this route with a film with such deep, deep story and deep, deep, deep origins like Nosferatu. I know that they did one with um, William Defoe that kind of told, that kind of 
shed light on the making of Nosferatu and talked about uh, all the stuff, all the craziness that went on behind the scenes. And that was fine. I had no problem with that. But my bigger issue is the fact that you're going to essentially remake a horror classic that no one, no one in a new modern generation has any idea about. When you mention Nosferatu to, I don't know, an 18-year-old kid, he, he's going to be like, Nosferatu, aren't those like another word for vampires? Like, that's it. There's no, nobody knows about a 1922 film unless you're a, an older person or, or a hardcore horror fan. Nobody's going out there looking for the silent Nosferatu film. I'm sorry, but they're not. And the fact that Hollywood is going to go and pull the trigger on this remake, which I'm sure is, yes, it's probably going to have its fair share of blood and gore and all this crazy shit, but it's not going to have that same that same impact that the 19 that the 1922 classic had. That's all I'm saying. But there you have it. The other bit of of movie news falls into the what the fuck category. Some people may feel that it doesn't be it shouldn't because of what's being said but i'm going to i'm going to talk about this slightly like i said in in a wtf sense but also in a completely different in a completely sprinkle with a grain of salt rumor so according to heroic hollywood and um superhero hype and a couple of other people there were interesting uh, things going on with the upcoming Spider-Man film. According to a, a, a linked cast list, uh, there were some crazy things that are being discussed and possibly implemented for Spider-Man's debut in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Anyway, both superhero hype, heroic Hollywood, Latino review, countless sites have referenced this cast list. And I want to share it with you guys only because, like I said, it's a cast list that's going to definitely make people talk quite a bit. Anyway, so the cast list that was supposedly leaked has some names you may recognize and roles you may recognize and then other roles that you're like, huh? So the first person that was on that cast list, of course, was Robert Downey Jr., who, of course, is going to be playing Tony Stark in the film. Now, I'm I'm curious to see how that's going to work and obviously where this ties in post-Civil War. But in any case, Robert Downey Jr. was listed on the cast list. In addition to that, Hugh Laurie, who many of you may know from House, was listed as J. Jonah Jameson. So there you have that. Forrest Whitaker, who was recently in Southpaw, is assigned to the role of Robbie Robertson who many of you may know as Jonah Jameson's number two and also a very, very vocal supporter of Spider-Man. Miranda Cosgrove is listed as Betty Brant. Uh, Timothy Chalamet is listed as Harry Osborn. And allegedly, the two villains for the film are, get this, Billy Zane as Adrian Toomes, who many of you may know as the Vulture. And get this, American Pie's Jason Biggs, I kid you not, Jason Biggs from American Pie is listed as Mac Gargan, who many of you may know as the Scorpion, one of my favorite uh, Spider-Man villains alongside 
Venom, and the Green Goblin was the Scorpion. So you're taking Pie Fucker, who I've always felt was a a comedy act, and he's going to be the Scorpion? I don't know, man. That's that's a little weird. In addition, um, it also lists an actress named Rachel G. Fox as Mary Jane Watson, Sammy Gale as Liz Allen, and Jacob Lattimore as Flash Thompson, and the star of, of Teen Wolf, Tyler Posey, as Ned Leeds. So again, take this with a grain of salt. A lot of people are really, really vocal about this alleged cast list. So I'm going to repeat it again, and um, you know I'm going to share it in the group if you guys want to discuss it. Robert Downey Jr., of course, as Iron Man, Tony Stark, uh, Hugh Laurie from House as J. Jonah Jameson, Forrest Whitaker as Robbie Robertson, uh, Miranda Cosgrove as Betty Grant, uh, Betty Brant, excuse me, um, Timothy Chalamet as Harry Osborn, and the alleged villains, Billy Zane, who many of you may know from The Phantom, Titanic, and countless other films, as Adrian Toomes, a.k.a. The Vulture, and Jason Biggs from American Pie, yes, that guy, as Mac Gargan, a.k.a. The Scorpion. And like I said, the other actresses and actors, uh, Rachel G. Fox as Mary Jane, Sammy Gale as Liz Allen, Jacob Lattimore as Flash Thompson, and Tyler Posey as Ned Leeds. I'm not, I'm not going to go crazy about this cast list because, I, again, I think with the right... If Marvel's done one thing right with their with their roles is casting, I'm a little apprehensive about Jason Biggs. A lot of people were were annoyed about Billy Zane, but Billy Zane, if you're going with an, a younger version of the Vulture, I think Billy Zane can pull off billionaire douchebag very very well. I'm serious, he can very well. And of course, if Harry Osborn is in the film. Norman Osborn is a no-brainer, and I'm sure that that role is being saved for a, a very, very high-grade established actor. Of course, the big rumor was um, Matthew McConaughey as Norman Osborn, but that remains to be seen. Nonetheless, this cast list has been making its way around the web, no pun intended, and as of right now, there are no official confirmations other than Tom Holland Robert Downey Jr., and of course, Marissa Tomei as Aunt May. The other, the other people on the cast list were either listed as in talks or final negotiations. So, there you have it. The Spider-Man reboot is scheduled to hit screens July 28th, 2017. So, I think we got a long way to go before we start having passionate debates about casting. On the DC side of things, a, uh, another role that's been speculated on for quite some time is the involvement of Jenna Malone. Uh, many people thought that she would be portraying the character of Carrie Kelly, who was the female Robin in the Dark Knight series from Frank Miller. But now all signs are pointing to her possibly playing Barbara Gordon, of course, daughter of Commissioner James Gordon, and later on Batgirl in the books. Uh, not 100% confirmed as of yet, so take this with a grain of salt with regards to the casting. But I think Jenna Malone works as Oracle, and um, I'm curious to see how that pans out. Uh, Malone is known, of course, for her work in The Hunger Games, Sucker Punch, Donnie Darko, and a slew of other films. I'm curious to see if that's the casting that they're going with or if she will be playing someone else. But I wouldn't mind seeing a, uh, a an incarnation of Batgirl or Oracle 
on the big screen working alongside Batman. I think I think in that regard it would be it would be a complete Batman uh immersion with all those key players in play, you know, Alfred, Oracle, a Robin of some sort. That's how it works. Again, take this with a grain of salt for now. Um Jenna Malone, her role hasn't been confirmed, but all signs are pointing to either Carrie Kelly or possibly Batgirl slash Oracle. We shall see what happens. Last but not least, uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation does not hit theaters till, well, correction, it's in theaters starting today. But um, during an interview he did with Jon Stewart, he actually said that they are already in progress for Mission Impossible 6. Tom Cruise, of course, has taken the Mission Impossible series and ran with the ball um, and created quite a solid franchise for himself. Of course, he's had numerous directors helm all the other Mission Impossible films, but I've actually enjoyed all of them to some degree. I mean, the, f- the first one was a little, a little too over the top with certain aspects, but as the series progressed, it started to really create its own identity with Tom Cruise's Ethan Hunt character, so... It's no shock that they're already working on a sixth on a sixth installment. I will be checking out Rogue Nation this weekend, and hopefully I'll be able to have a review up before I go on vacation. All right. So with that, that is actually going to wrap up the entertainment segment for this week and is also going to wrap up the show. So let's get the hell out of here, shall we? You've just heard My Take Radio episode 305, which aired live Thursday, July 30th, 2015. To find archived episodes of the show, you can head over to RageWorks.net and you can find episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. If you're interested in watching video archives of the show, you can find them on My Take Radio TV on YouTube as well as official RageWorks. So make sure if you haven't to subscribe to those channels, either one, My Take Radio TV is only for MTR shows, but RageWorks includes all our reviews, unboxings, movie trailers, game trailers, and of course, all the video episodes of MTR as well. But the best experience for My Take Radio is the official My Take Radio app. It is $1.99 and it's available for Android, iOS, and Windows devices. For Android, you're going to be heading to the Amazon Marketplace, and the app is $1.99. For iOS, of course, you're heading to iTunes, same price for the app, $1.99. And for Windows 8, 10, and mobile, you're going to head to the Windows Store, and again, it is $1.99. You get access to high-quality stereo episodes of the show in 96K. You're going to get access to other shows that we do, uh, MTR Behind the Mic, Beyond the Mic, the Minority Film Report, and a ton of other shows before the general public. So we will release it to app owners first. We also include mobile wallpapers and other bonus content as well. Again, it's $1.99, helps us out, and allows us to continue to improve and give you guys the best experience possible. Just a reminder that there will be no episodes of MTR on August 5th and August 6th because I will be on vacation But there will be shows available this weekend, including Black is the New Black and Jay Santee's brand new regular season sportscast with him and the Keefe. Be on the lookout for that this weekend. And as always, follow us on on social media. My Take Radio is on Twitter, as is Rageworks for 
My Take Radio, obviously, it's exactly that, My Take Radio. For Rageworks, unfortunately, somebody's sitting on Rageworks uh, since 2011, so it's Rage underscore Works. You can also find us on Pinterest, Facebook, um, you know, all the usual social media outlets. If you're into Instagram, you can follow me on there. It's Rageworks underscore Rich. I also use Periscope. For the show, it's Rage underscore works, like the Twitter handle, and we're also on Meerkat as well. We're going to try and do more Periscope and Meerkat stuff in the coming weeks with more events. But for the time being, that's where you can find us. As always, if you want to get all that information, make sure to check out the show notes at RageWorks.net or wherever you are getting this episode of My Take Radio. All right, guys. Thank you all for tuning in. As always, we continue to appreciate every bit of support you guys give us. I will see you guys when my take radio returns August 12th and 13th. I am out of here. Peace. That's all, folks.